Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to the ADCES podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Joanne Rinker, Senior Director of Practice, Content, and Learning at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, we're discussing technology disparities and therapeutic inertia, the focus of ADCES's newest practice paper. Joining us today is practice paper co-author Janice McLeod. She's here to discuss some of the findings the workgroup uncovered when researching these topics and some of the action steps that members of the diabetes care team can take to address these issues. To explore these topics further, you can read the full paper in the September issue of ADCES in practice, or you can find a link in our show notes. Janice, welcome to the huddle. Thank you so much, Joanne. To kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about why you and the co-authors had chosen to write this paper? So it started out with the Diabetes Technology Workgroup, and uh, we had been meeting, and an important topic emerged on diabetes technology disparities. And as we realized the importance of this topic, a subgroup on diabetes tech disparities was formed, and we began work on what ultimately became this publication that you just mentioned, as well as uh, a call to action. So as the group was discussing, we realized that the recently adopted Identify, Configure, Collaborate technology-enabled framework, if truly integrated into practice, was a potential solution to help address tech disparities as well as address another important problem that's critical to ADCES members, and that's this problem of therapeutic inertia, that failure to uh, appropriately make adjustments in the care plan when standards would indicate it's it's time to do so. So in the interest, in the spirit of being solution oriented, being a problem solver, uh, we decided to issue this call to action. And, you know, interestingly enough, the diabetes care and education specialist can use this uh, technology enabled framework as a launching pad or a vehicle for communicating the value of their services and in showcasing their expertise in diabetes technology and in person-centered care. So this becomes, we hope, a win-win. I love it. You talked about so many different things that I want to unpack them a little bit. The first one is the ICC framework. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. This model was developed based on early work in diabetes digital health. And another important thing I want to point out is that shared or informed decision-making is critical at every stage or pillar of this framework. And there are 
three pillars. So the first pillar is the identify pillar. And this is where we help every, and I do underscore every person with diabetes, understand their options when it comes to diabetes technology, help them make informed decisions about what technology tools uh, might be best for them. And for this, we have developed a diabetes technology conversation starter or decision tool to help facilitate uh, this discussion. So having this conversation with uh, every person with diabetes should be a standard of care. So in the paper, we actually share some examples of barriers that you might encounter in having this conversation, trying to identify the right tools. For example, if a patient does not have coverage for a particular technology. It's important that we as uh, diabetes care and education specialists understand that most, if not all, of the diabetes technology companies offer access programs to help people with no or inadequate coverage to start or stay on a therapy or a technology. Then next is the configure pillar. And here is where we recognize uh, as diabetes care and education specialists, it's not enough to just sort of hand out tools to people and just assume they're going to take them and run and know what to do. That is just not the case. It's really important that we help people get off to a strong start with their chosen technology tools. Our tech disparity subgroup felt so passionate about this. And I think you're going to see that come through in the uh, in the paper. So what do we mean by this? Well, this is helping them configure their chosen technology tools to best match their care plan, their lifestyle, their schedule, their routine, all of those things. So it really works for them and they're not having to work against the technology tool, but the tool is working with them. So, for instance, with smart insulin delivery, such as a smart insulin pump or a smart insulin pen, an example of configuring steps that would need to be taken is providing that individual with their own personalized insulin therapy settings and helping make sure their schedule set up appropriately, and then it all works together better for them. The other thing that I've really discovered is it's so helpful to talk with the individual about how they're going to actually use this tool in their day-to-day daily diabetes self-care. Give them specific examples. You know, you know, for instance, let's say Mr. Smith, um, you, you, uh, you say, Mr. Smith, you know, I know you've often told me that you struggle to know whether or not you took a dose or not. Well, now with the technology tool, you're going to be able to actually look at your, um, app and know exactly when you took your last dose and how much. So that's just an example of talking through examples with people so that they know and can think about how this is going to work for them specifically. Um, And, you know, the other thing is that that's so important here is so often it's not so much that people need so much help with the technology tools, but they need the diabetes care and education that surrounds that use of that tool to help them be successful. So I think a big barrier here can be access to the diabetes care and education specialist. So how can we work to make sure people with diabetes have access to our services, I think is going to be so important for this particular step. The third pillar then is collaborate, and that is the ongoing use of the resulting data in partnership with the patient to 
both assess the care plan and address any barriers to following it. So we can just see is Mr. Smith actually taking his insulin or not? And if not, you know, let's talk about why there might be a a barrier we can overcome. But then also, if he is taking his insulin, let's assess and see how well that regimen's working for him and make the incremental adjustments in his insulin regimen or other aspects of his care plan that might be needed. So the collaborate pillar, I think, is everyone's favorite in a lot of ways, but we can't collaborate with patients with data if we haven't done steps one and two. So really important that we do that. And shared decision-making is really critical at all of the stages to get that buy-in. And the diabetes care and education specialist is uniquely qualified in using this approach of shared decision-making, recognizing that while, yes, we our job is to bring our expertise, uh, our clinical expertise, our clinical experience, our knowledge of the standards and the evidence and so forth, we recognize there's another expert in the room, and that is that person with diabetes who is the expert in themselves and their life with diabetes. And so it's where that overlaps. Uh, I think of that as a Venn diagram and where those circles overlap right in the center, that's where we're going to find our answers. That's where the magic happens. That's where the solutions will be found. And so ultimately, um, if we're using shared decision-making with each pillar, then that helps us find those solutions and helps that patient uh, have the, the tools and so forth that they will need. Now, a barrier that could happen when, when the individual is trying to share their data with you could be lack of internet access uh, to allow sharing of data reports. Or, you know, maybe the person with diabetes has concerns about sharing data with others. So it's important to have this discussion beforehand to agree on a plan for how and when to share data and how we're going to use that data together in, in partnership. Thank you so much for that explanation, because I think that'll really help people to kind of figure out how they can actually implement this in practice. Another thing that you mentioned is around technology disparities. So what were some of the things that you uncovered when doing this research around technology disparities? Yes, you know, the tech disparities research has largely been focused on continuous glucose monitoring and pump use. And we know there's other technologies as well, but that's where the research is today. And while we know uh, the diabetes prevalence of both type 1 and type 2 diabetes is higher in uh, Native American, uh, Hispanic, and Black populations compared to white populations, it turns out that Black Americans, for example, are three times less likely to use an insulin pump, and Black and Hispanic Americans are two times less likely to use a continuous glucose monitoring device. And so what... Why is that? And, and we know it's not just access because, you know, we see these same sort of disparities even where there is coverage for these tools, for instance, in a, in a VA setting. So really interesting. And a lot of uh, individuals are, are exploring that and trying to understand that. And so we wanted to say, okay, we recognize there are disparities, but how can we begin right now to address those issues? And we're hopeful that this call to action and this article and implementing and integrating these technology tools into practice in this shared decision-making sort of format will be a way that will help us even just be more aware ourselves of what is my role in all of this and how 
you know, what am I doing to assure I'm helping people make informed choices and and thinking through and understanding what their options actually even are. The other thing is, is, you know, as, as we uncover barriers and so forth, which we will, as we try to you know, implement this in practice, we'll run into barriers. Now, I know the diabetes care and education specialists typically are very resourceful people and tend to be able to find solutions and overcome these problems. So we really want to hear about your experiences as you work to integrate um, these tools into clinical practice. And any barriers that you encounter, how you solve those barriers, if you were able to, but then maybe if there are bigger barriers, maybe more systemic barriers that are bigger than you, bigger than your even your health system, that we learn about those too. And ADCES and their advocacy initiatives and so forth that they have underway are actually good ways for us to begin to maybe think about how can we address those together or reach out to other organizations as well. So I I know we included some ideas for the DCES to um, interact with ADCES and our advocacy efforts as well as part of the the paper. So I would really encourage people to to check that out because we recognize there are going to be barriers. Let's understand what they are. Let's try to address them. And if they're bigger, then let's work together to try to figure out, are there some solutions we could bring? Okay. And then in relation to the technology and disparities, where are you seeing some places where um, therapeutic inertia is existing? Yeah. Therapeutic inertia, often when people use that term, they're thinking more around medicines and they're thinking about insulin. And because diabetes is it's a chronic condition that affects really all aspects of life. There's really no aspects of diabetes care and self-management that I think are, are not appropriate when to think about when we're thinking about therapeutic inertia. So there can be therapeutic inertia when it comes to even uh, choosing technology tools or offering technology tools or, or, you know, optimal use of these technology tools um, using the data And I think, you know, a big barrier to optimizing diabetes care is lack of data. When we can bring technology tools to patients, um, connected devices that just are collecting data, um, and the patient's able to share that data with the care team, and then using that data to help inform where, what we do next particularly if we collaborate and use that data together in partnership, can really help us move the needle, I I believe, in addressing any and all aspects of of therapeutic inertia. But having data um, changes the conversation that we have with patients. It becomes way more collaborative and less interrogative. Um, Because think about it, if you don't have data, what do you do? You spend the first number of minutes of your time with that person asking them all these sorts of questions that can feel a little bit like an interrogation. And if instead I already have all that information now, guess what? The conversation becomes about that person with diabetes and any problems and barriers that they're having. And we can work together to solve those problems and help that patient get unstuck and move forward in their care. So that's perfect because as you're talking, you know, I'm thinking that the diabetes care and education specialist is going to be talking to the person with diabetes, but they're also going to be using that data 
to be that person's advocate when having conversations with their provider. So it brings us to our next question, which is, what is the role of the diabetes care and education specialist in all this? You know, what can they do to address some of these issues that we've talked about so far? Yeah, so our call to action, which we lay out in the in the paper, is step one, step up and lead. Be the leader in your organization, in your place of practice, in implementing the Identify, Configure, Collaborate technology-enabled framework in your place of practice. So to bring technology tools and options to, to people with diabetes. And while you're going to be the leader, you want to be mentoring and guiding other members of the care team so that you're starting to spread this knowledge and this wealth. Because that's what it's going to take to scale, right? There's not enough of us. We need to teach and mentor others on the care team. So then the second step would be as we identify barriers, do attempt to resolve them um, uh, as illustrated in the examples that we provide in the publication in each of those different pillars. But share your barriers, share your solutions. And how do you do that is through the uh, ADCES technology community of interest. And so that's set up in order to allow you to share your experiences. And then um, step three, if you do identify those larger barriers to tech access and optimal use, um, share those as well through the technology COI. And these will be reviewed um, by the tech COI as well as um, the advocacy um, group in order to um, think about are there ways that we could work together to address these. And so then our hope would be is that this begins to address these tech disparities, helps to address therapeutic inertia, and really helps us be the leader in bringing some real solutions that are very much needed uh, in diabetes care. That's great. Janice, any last comments or final notes that you'd like to share with the listeners? Well, I would say step up and lead, you know, don't, don't hesitate, be proactive and be the one who's looking for the solutions, be the problem solver. And thus in that way, be able to demonstrate your, the value of your services and further integrate your services throughout the healthcare ecosystem. So don't ask permission, step up and lead and, and be that person who is bringing the solution to the practice improving the lives of people with diabetes. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Janice. And I also thank you everyone for listening to this episode of The Huddle. Even though connected diabetes, digital technologies have the power to address therapeutic inertia by automatically recording, sharing, and interpreting diabetes-related data, that can be used to improve care plan adjustments, barriers that create disparities still exist. As you just heard, diabetes care and education specialists are positioned ideally within the care team to begin leading implementation of these solutions and setting an example for their colleagues. Make sure to read the practice paper, Technology Disparities and Therapeutic Inertia, A Call to Action for the Diabetes Care and Education Specialist today to access some practical examples of barriers and resources to help you overcome them. You can find it in the September issue of ADCES in Practice or linked in the show notes at diabeteseducator.org slash podcast. 
Remember that free access to ADCES in practice is just one of the many benefits of membership with ADCES. Learn about the many ADCES resources, education, and networking that improves your practice and optimizes outcomes for your clients at diabeteseducator.org join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.